0: I want to welcome you once again. I met some of you new folks coming in this evening, but um, my name is Mark, and I'm the pastor. And if you can turn the lights out there, guys, that would be great. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you tonight that your love is not fickle like human love. Boy, Lord, our, our emotions, they go up and down. Relationships have good days and bad days. But I want to thank you, Lord, tonight that your love is constant. Your love is permanent. Your love is on fire. Your love, Lord, never, 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 never fades or wanes or weakens. And you tell us, Lord, in the book of Ephesians, that our roots would go down deep into the soil of your marvelous love and that we might know how high and broad and deep and wide it really is, and so then to be filled up with the fullness of God. We just bless you, Lord, tonight for the incredible love that was shown to us through Jesus Christ. And we pray you'd help us to understand that more this evening. And we pray that you'd open up your word to us tonight. Help us to understand, Lord, the instructions you have for us as aliens living on this strange planet. In Jesus' name, amen. So I started a series a few weeks ago. It's entitled Instruction for Aliens. And just so you don't misunderstand... We were not born on another planet. In case you thought, wow, I came into some strange place this evening. These are some weird people. Well, Christians are weird, actually. The Bible says we're peculiar people, we're strange people, we're exiles, we're foreigners. And as 1 Peter says, we're aliens. We were born on this planet, but we no longer belong here. Because when we came to Christ, we were reborn. That's what the term born-again means. And when we came to know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, <clears throat> when we understood that he died for our sin, that he rose from the dead, that we might have forgiveness and eternal life and be in a right relationship with God, and when we put our faith in Christ, <clears throat> at that moment, God killed our old person, the carnal person that we were, the rebel That we are apart from God. And he made us alive in Jesus Christ. And he made us new. And he put his spirit inside of us. And we're no longer comfortable in this world. Now we still struggle. We're going to talk about that tonight. But God made us new. And he gave us new desires. And I shared some of that with you last week. We'll get into that just a little bit more tonight. So I'm reading From the book of 1 Peter, and I've entitled the topic, Instruction for Aliens, because that's how the Apostle Peter addresses us. And we're in chapter 2. So listen carefully. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. And like newborn babies, eagerly crave the spiritual milk, of the word of God, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Scotty wasn't here tonight. Paul, if you're here, you could find me a thing of water. I didn't know where to find it, so if you could find it for me, that'd be great. Notice here he tells us to get rid of our malice and deceit and hypocrisy. I'd like to comment on that tonight. Imagine going home and cleaning out your closet. When I first became a Christian, I started following the Lord at 19 and I was really into music and I had stacks and stacks and stacks of Albums in those days. They were called albums That was last century, but that's what we used to call them and um, All those all those old albums to be really honest. They just fueled my rebellion They fueled my immoral way of life. Thank you very much. Luke. I appreciate it and um so I realized that as I came to, when I came to Jesus Christ, I was 19, and um, I'm just being honest with you, nobody, nobody told me this. I just knew it instinctively. Now that i would come to Christ, <clears throat> I knew it was time to clean out my closet. <clears throat> I threw them all away. I had hundreds and hundreds of dollars of albums. Led Zeppelin, Foghat, Bachman Turner, Overdrive. The Doobie Brothers, I could just down the list. Blue Oyster Cult. <clears throat> and, and the reason I did is nobody told me, Mark, you need to go home and throw that all away. I knew <clears throat> that all of those things on those albums simply promoted the godless way I used to live. That's just the truth. <clears throat> I didn't hate those bands. I I still liked their music. I just knew that everything they sang about was the antithesis of the new life that I was going to now live. But I also knew that God wanted to begin begin to clean out the closet of Mark, the closet of my spirit, the closet of how I did life, the way I went about life. I knew that God wanted me to get rid of my My malice, my evil intent towards other people. I had a lot of evil intent towards people. I used to let myself think really bad, bad things about other people. I got bullied a lot when I was in school, and I would dream up all of the terrible things that I was going to do to other people. Deceit and hypocrisy. You know, there's so much hypocrisy today in, quote, Christians. Christians. <clears throat> there's so many people, so, many, so much hypocrisy in our politicians, so much hypocrisy in so many people that supposedly we look up to, and then you find out later they're the exact opposite of what they say. And God is telling to us, I don't want you to be this way. <clears throat> I want you to get rid of pretentiousness. I want you to live an authentic life of integrity and that doesn't mean we're perfect that doesn't mean we never make mistakes it means that we strive for consistency it means that our life and our words match we get rid of our envy boy it's real easy isn't it to envy what other people have I remember a song, I mean, you know it's amazing how songs go through your head, but do you remember, I wish that I had Jesse's girl, anyway, I won't go on anymore, but it just, man, how many times we envy somebody else's girlfriend, somebody else's relationship. We envy their body. We envy their money. We envy, boy, they just seem to have such a nice life. The Bible says that envy rots the bones. But a contented way of life brings life and health. You know, the Bible tells us that godliness with contentment is great gain. Not just godliness, but godliness with contentment. A genuine satisfaction in simply where I am today and what God has given to me. Get rid of slander of every kind. Wow. I mean, just to be be really honest, slander has just gone berserk today. The word slander, we don't use much anymore. It means to say negative, bad things about someone else that denigrates their character. And slander is false things about other people. Man, you talk about the damage that Twitter has done to people's reputation. You talk about the damage. People just say anything they want anymore. They just think they can say any negative thing, any untrue derogatory thing about other people and destroy their character, character assassination. The Bible says get rid of that <clears throat> of every kind. And instead, like a newborn baby, crave spiritual things, crave good things, crave righteous things. You, I don't know if you understand this, but <clears throat> evil destroys <clears throat> sin destroys our lives. <clears throat> it doesn't help our lives. there's not a person here tonight that's wishing, wishing tomorrow they could catch Ebola. <clears throat> and yet and yet, without realizing it, the great deception that the devil's brought on the world is that sin will make you happy. That being immoral and having lots of sexual partners and doing all kinds of crazy stuff and getting drunk and using, it'll make you happy. It destroys your life. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. And he tricks you. It's righteousness that brings you joy. I can tell you this from experience. It's not an exaggeration now. I'm almost to 40 years of following Jesus Christ. And <clears throat> there was my before following Christ years, and there's my after. Now, there have been lots of trials, and we talked about that a little bit in Peter. There are lots of trials to trying to live a righteous life. You are, you are living against gravity, and we're going to get to this verse in a moment where Peter says, I implore you, I implore you as aliens in this world <clears throat> to abstain from the fleshly lusts that wage war against your very soul." They want to destroy you. Your lust want to destroy you. We don't think that. We think, oh, this fantasy and all this desire feels so good. I just need to feed it. And you feed it, and it destroys you. And so Peter, he's not trying to keep something from you. He's trying to keep you from being destroyed. And instead, the Bible tells us to live to God, to live for righteousness. We were made for that by Jesus Christ. And it's righteousness that brings us joy. <clears throat> All the things I look back in my life today, <clears throat> 35 years of marriage Four children, seeing them marry, seeing them marry other people who know Jesus Christ, seeing them stay sexually pure during their engagement and their relationship. Do you understand what that's like? Do you understand the joy that it's brought, the head start that it's given them in their life? To see now my grandchildren being raised from a godly perspective? Many of us grew up in broken homes. We understand as we look back on our life, when you see some of the families you may meet here at The Rock and you see the love and support and encouragement those children get and you think about your life, that's sin. It wasn't just that, oh, my mom or dad were bad. They were dominated by sin. Sin destroys. It's sin that causes divorce. It's sin that causes brokenness. But Christ changes our lives. And we can experience that. We experience something different than the rest of the world. They simply, as I told you last week, basically, this is the truth. And you can examine it. You can think about it if you want. Turn it over in your head. Think about it all weekend because you may think this is just an outlandish statement. The vast majority, as in 98% of television, of movies, of music, and I love music. I'm a musician. I love music. The vast majority of what you see and read and hear today in society is marketing sin to you. It's marketing evil. Not in and of itself. It's promoting things that will never make you really, truly happy. And the devil has taken the world, kind of put a gold ring in your nose, and he's just leading you to destroy your life. But as Christians, when we come to Christ, we breathe a different air. We breathe a different air and our longings for something righteous. So then Peter goes on to say, As you come to him, Christ... The living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in the scripture it says, See, I lay in Jerusalem a chosen and precious cornerstone. The one who trust in him will never be disappointed. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the most important stone. The stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message and refuse to believe, which is also what they were destined for. Now this is very important to understand. Peter's using allegory here that the Jewish person would have understood. And as I shared with you in the first week, Peter was writing to many Jewish Christians. They were born ethnically Jew or Israeli, but they came to know Jesus Christ, the one true Messiah for all men. And they had been persecuted severely in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, and Peter is writing this to them. He's writing it to us as well, because we are also exiles in this world because of Christ. The Bible promised that Christ would be the living stone, that he would be the cornerstone of God's temple. Well, they understood the temple. The temple in the Old Testament was where God dwelled, where his power lived. Of course he lived in heaven, but for the Jewish nation to see, he dwelt in the temple. And only a select group of people could ever go into the temple. They were Levites. You had to be born a Levite. There are 12 tribes of Israel, and one of those tribes were the Levites. And they were chosen to be priests to God. They had the privilege of serving in the temple. Whenever they would build in those times, the best way you can describe it is the foundation of a house. A house is only as strong as its foundation. And Jesus is that foundation, you see? And, and in the New Testament, now the real plan of God was to build a living house. I've told you this before. This place that we meet <clears throat> is not a church, it's a building, it's a facility. You are the church. The Christians, if you know Christ, you're the church. <clears throat> and God has chosen the church. And we are his representatives. And so now we are living stones. We're this spiritual house to God. And we have the privilege of presenting to God spiritual sacrifices. Our life becomes a sacrifice to God through Jesus Christ. A living sacrifice which Paul writes about in Romans. When he said, I urge you therefore brothers and sisters. By the mercies of God. That you present your body to God. A living Holy sacrifice, which is your reasonable service of love. It's reasonable. When you think of what Christ has done for you, you have no life if it was not for Christ. He's forgiven you. You know, I got an interesting... I got three very interesting emails today. I was going to bring them tonight, but they would have just taken too long to read. But I want to share one with you, and I'll just kind of give you the quote. <clears throat> so I got, I got an email from a dear pastor's wife that I know, that I've worked with for many, many years. <clears throat> Not here in this church, one of our other churches. <clears throat> and recently her son married, and uh, the young lady that he married had a very difficult upbringing. <clears throat> and so she was trying to uh, think of a way that she could help her. <clears throat> so she wrote me. I didn't know anything about this. So the, the pastor's wife wrote me, said, Mark, I just wanted to encourage you, I went to your site, your Strong Disciple site, where all 30 years of the messages are, my messages, and she said, I picked out some, and I gave them to my son's wife, and I received this email from her today, and I wanted to forward it to you, and the email said simply this, we'll just call this lady Sally, she said, Sally, I can't thank you enough for these messages, I have been listening to them for a solid month straight, And those messages have done more for me in 30 days than 20 years previous of all the psychological therapy I received. That's the truth. I have received other emails from that as well. Do you know why? Because when you begin to discover what Jesus Christ has really done for you, it changes you. It revolutionizes your life when you come to understand the love of God, the forgiveness of God, the gospel of God. And all you want to do when you really understand it is give him your life. Because you were made for God. And that's where you're going to find your joy. You were not made for drugs. You were not made for sex. You were not made for sin. As I share with you my series, What About Sex? God's all about making babies, and he created it in a righteous relationship, and it's a righteous thing. But we have made it so unrighteous, and it's so destructive. It's become so destructive. It was not meant to be that. Christ changes our life So that we can offer to God thanks and praise and we can give him our resources and our time and our talents and our whole life and what we do, and I'm going to get to this in a moment, was meant to be offered to God as a living sacrifice because we are full-time servants of God. Did you know, did you even realize that? Did you know that we're going to get to Scripture in just a moment and it says this. The time has passed for you to live like you used to live Don't use your freedom for sin or as a covering for evil. The freedom that Christ gave us. See, because you could. See, here's what you need to understand about the gospel. When Jesus Christ paid for your sin, he paid for all of them. Past, present, future. For your whole life's sin, he died for them. We're going to see this in 1 Peter as well. And because you're totally and completely forgiven, you really are. If you wanted to, from this day forward, you could go out. And use the freedom God gave you and waste it. You could waste it. And you could live it for evil. Now, you'd never find fulfillment. And you'd never find meaning. And you would eventually self-destruct. But you could do that. God says, don't do that. Instead, live as servants of God. Also, I can tell you this. This promise now to those who believe... You will never be disappointed. <clears throat> I have been following the Lord. <clears throat> I've told you this before, more longer than most of you have been alive. That's hard to even grasp, I realize. But it's really true. Most people in this room are 40 or below. That's longer than most of you have been alive. <clears throat> and God has taken me, I mean, you know, I you can get the messages. I've shared many. Messages on the faithfulness of God, on the stories, on the things he's taken me through. And I'll be the first one to tell you it's been full of trials. There's no question of that. Full of trials and difficulties. But ultimately, in each and every situation, God has never let Kathy and I down. He has never, he himself, disappointed us. And time and time and time again, he has taken us through things I didn't understand. They were emotionally very difficult, but he drew me closer to himself. I gained a greater understanding of God. And today I look back and I go, wow, what God built in my life through that very trial that at the time I didn't want, today has given me a richer life. It's given me a richer life. God will not disappoint you. People will. Now, I want you to notice this. This is important before I get on to the next section. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. This is where a lot of people get confused about man's free will and God's choice. God did not predestine them to disobey. He predetermined that those who disobey would stumble over Christ. It's a very different meaning. It's a very different meaning. That's very important that you understand that. God promised it. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ paid for all the sins of the world, even those of those who do not believe. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world, every man, woman, and child ever born, he loved them, and he paid for their sins. He does not force them to respond or force them not to respond. He strives to draw all. The choice is yours. But after that choice, there are a lot of things God has pre-chosen. He's pre-chosen. Look at this next passage. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now he has lavished mercy upon you. See, it's the church. That's chosen. Those who believe in Christ have been chosen by God to be in his family. The qualifier is our faith in Christ. That's how God set it up. God chose to set it up that way. God did not choose that man would sin. Man rebelled against God. And because Adam sinned, his sinful gene was passed on to every single one of us. And that's why we all die. That's why we literally all die. Sin is the ultimate disease, and it kills everything. Christ came. Christ was God's plan, God's sacrificial lamb, and he took all of our sin. And he satisfied the justice of God. There had to be great punishment, great payback for what man had done. And God sent his son and Christ paid for that and the father crushed him. <clears throat> Earlier in 1 Peter chapter 1, we read that the prophets longed. I didn't cover this last week because I have very limited time. You can read this. I've been so encouraged to hear some of you are reading 1 Peter at this time. That's a very good thing to do. You might as well read it while we're going through it because then you'll understand it even more. Peter says that the prophets who prophesied long before of the coming Messiah longed to understand what time exactly the spirit within them was speaking. But they didn't know. But it was revealed to them they were speaking about a future time for our benefit. Go to Isaiah 53. When you go home this weekend, go to Isaiah 53, written hundreds of years before Jesus Christ came, and read Isaiah 53, and discover that the Father crushed the Son. It was the Father's good pleasure to crush the Son that we might have the righteousness of God. He put all of our iniquities, all of our wrongdoing, all of our wretched sin, our despicable thought life, he put it on Christ, and Christ paid for it. And God invites all, come to me. Come to me, I'll forgive you. Why? Because you're good enough? No. Because you got baptized? No. Because you got confirmed? No. Because of my son. If you accept my son, that's the deal. And that's the only deal. And it's the pre-chosen deal. And God determined the deal billions of years ago. I'm sending my son. You accept my son, and you're free. You're free. I'll free you from your sin. I'll free you from death. I'll give you a brand new life. You'll live forever with me. You'll be my child. <clears throat> and all those who receive my son <clears throat> become a holy nation. And they represent me in the world. <clears throat> and one of the things that God does as we represent him is he uses us to tell others <clears throat> of the wonderful news of Christ. We become this incredible display of God working in these broken clay vessels called our old, fragile human bodies. One day, you're going to get a glorified body. <clears throat> what Jeremy was singing about, closer than I've ever been, <clears throat> I'm tired of fighting in this foreign land. We are fighting. What are we fighting? The flesh, the devil, the world. Not people. The flesh, the devil, and the world's value system. And it's a fight every single day. And we long, if you know Christ, you'll long to go home. And if you don't know Christ yet... There's also a longing you for something more. There's got to be something more. And God put that there to draw you to him. And one day we'll have brand new glorified bodies that never get sick, never have pain, never know sorrow, never get diseased, and they go on and on and on and on and on and on, just like God's. In the meantime, he has a purpose for us, a purpose. Dear friends... I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, abstain from your sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits you. I'll tell you a little secret. One of the keys to winning the war against the desires of your soul is put your energies in doing good. You want to see how scripture comes together? You know what Paul says in Romans? Mm -hmm. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. A lazy Christianity will be a sinful Christianity. A self-centered Christianity will be a sinful Christianity. But when we're thinking about others, when we're looking out for the other people in our life, when we're actively using what God has given us to serve others, there's a lot less time for our sinful desires to pull us into the ditch. That's been one of my great marriage secrets. Excuse me, many times when I have been struggling with some of the frustrations that I might feel towards my wife or some of the bad attitudes, I go grab an iron and iron her clothes. I go grab a vacuum and vacuum the floor. I put all of that into something positive that benefits her. And instead of being overcome and sitting there just being overcome and giving in to all of that and just feeding it, I rather go do something good. <clears throat> that might be the case on your job or in your relationship or in the classroom or with friends. <clears throat> Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men, whether to the king of supreme authority or the governor who sent him, to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free men, free women, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Show proper respect to others. Love the brotherhood of believers And fear God and honor the king. I want to talk briefly about this tonight. You have to understand that these Christians were living in the time of one of the most oppressive governments in the world, the Roman Empire. Nero used to kill Christians. And history records that he would often burn them to light his palace. I could tell you stories about some of the emperors of Rome that would might make you vomit. Some of the things they did, some of the things they were addicted to would blow your mind. The absolute wickedness of some of these individuals. And so these believers that were scattered throughout the Roman Empire, there was a struggle to know what is my proper interaction with my authorities, with these government, with these Caesars, with these kings, with these governors, and Peter's trying to establish to them, <clears throat> we as believers are to submit to the authorities, except when you go to Peter himself in the book of Acts, when the authorities ask us to violate God's higher law. Then like Peter, we rebel against the authority and we say, I must honor God rather than men. If you tell me I can no longer speak about Christ, I'm sorry, I must honor God and not man. If you tell me I must embrace this morality for my own life and I cannot teach what is properly moral in God's eyes, then I'm sorry, you'll have to accuse me in a court of law for being politically incorrect. But in our relationships, to those around us, We're to show respect. We're to be respectful. Whether it's the cop who pulls you over because you were speeding. Or whether it's the laws of our land. Except when they usurp the laws written here in the book, the laws of God. That's very important for us to understand. It's also important for us to understand something else. I want to be clear about something. Just because we're to respect authority doesn't mean that we don't speak out against the corruption of those who may be leading us. What what biblical basis would I have for this? Well, number one, read the prophets. Read the prophets of how they spoke out in God's name against their own kings. Number two, John the Baptist. Do you know why John the Baptist lost his head? He had it cut off wasn't because he was sharing the gospel. Did you know that? It was because he told Herod, it's wrong for you to be sleeping with your brother's wife. Ooh, that'll get your head cut off. It was a moral issue. <clears throat> it was a righteous issue. And John the Baptist took a stand publicly about it. <clears throat> and it got him killed. It got him killed. So, remember that we are to live as servants of God. I want you to think about that. Live as a servant of God on your job. Do you think that way? How would God want a servant of God to work? Would He want you to be excellent at your work? Would He want you to show up late? What kind of attitude would He want you to have to the Lord you work with? Does He want you to bring your best every day? Because you're doing it for God, not for men. What about you, moms? You think about all the diapers you change, all the kids, the stuff you got to deal with at home. You're serving God. You're serving God in that role as a mother, as that role as a caretaker, provider, nurturer, trainer. You're serving God. <clears throat> you fathers, you think about that as you go to work, as you come home, you're bringing your A game because I'm serving God. I'm doing God's work. <clears throat> whether you're single, whether you're a student, where you're doing your studies, are you cognizantly aware Living in the awareness, I am God's servant, and I'm going to live my life as a servant. And that's what I mean by being full-time for God. We are all to live full-time for God. You might be an engineer. You might be a doctor. You might be a lawyer. You might be a counselor. You might be a teacher. You might be a plant manager. You might be a factory worker. You might be a salon stylist. It doesn't matter. We live, we get up, we go to bed, we get up, and we work through our day. I'm a servant of God. That's a game changer. And it's a command. And you were made for this purpose. You were made for that purpose. And you will find your fulfillment as you give God your best every day and you give God your heart every day and say, Lord, I'm going to serve. And then you get into this book and you find out how does he want me to serve for example, next week we'll get into this a little bit. So, I'm, I'm a wife and I'm a servant of God. How does God want me to act? I'm a husband. I'm a servant of God. How does God want me to act? I'm a worker. I'm an employee. I'm a servant of God. How does God want me to act? I'm single and I have all these desires and I want a mate. How does God want me to go about it? I have money. I want this, but I'm a servant of God. How would God want me to use my money? What value system would God bring? Because we're aliens, see? And God's given us instructions. Next week, we'll get into some more. I wish I could go on a lot longer, but I can't. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you tonight for your word that gives us guidance. It gives us direction. It gives us understanding. I thank you, Heavenly Father, tonight that this life you gave us, it's a gift. It's a gift to us. And what a rich and abundant life it is. I ask you, Lord, you just continue to give us courage to live our lives as these new living stones, to praise you and honor you and glorify you with our lives, with our mouth, with our thoughts. In Jesus' name, amen.